Hi, Stephen. It's Nick Davies. How are you? I'm all right, Nick. You? I'm brilliant. Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. As you know, this series of podcasts is to really explore reputation. I'm coming from a reputation management company's point of view. I'm really glad to have you on because you encapsulate the legal side. Now, I understand that you're a contentious intellectual property specialist at Harrison Clark Rickabees. Would you be able to just give me a brief understanding of, of what you do? Yeah, so I'm a partner here in the Cheltenham office. We provide services to clients who are keen to protect their intellectual property rights and their brand, whether that be their personal brand or their company brand. Sure. Now, just for anyone who doesn't really know what intellectual property means, is there a quick definition or does it sort of span quite a few different things? It's easy to provide an overview of it, but there is quite a lot of detail. It covers quite a lot of sins. Um, If I was to ask to describe intellectual property, I'd say it's the intangible assets that have value. So unlike bricks and mortar, intellectual property rights are things that you can't necessarily put your hands on. That tends to relate to the product of people's knowledge, intelligence, and innovation. So, for example, copyright is the expression of an idea whether that be in written form, a photograph, a sculpture, and that would be protected by copyright once it is contained in a permanent form. There's also trademarks, which tends to be where most businesses focus their brand identity. Trademarks act as a badge of origin so that anybody purchasing products or services from individuals who operate under a trademark know that they will get the same experience, the same quality as as they would do the last time they used that particular company or on the basis that somebody's referred to that particular company, the same experience the person who's referred them had. There's also patents which protect how things work um, and that you know, or, uh, sits behind you a lot of things that we use every day, whether it be the mobile phone, your car, a, a lot of patented technology sits behind making the car go. Right. There's also designs which protect the look and feel of items in a three-dimensional space. Brilliant. So when somebody comes to you with a problem, I presume maybe somebody has stolen their intellectual property or infringing on their rights, what sort of routes do you take to help them? The first thing we need to undertake is a risk assessment. What What is the problem and how is it causing an issue for the client? So if you've got somebody who's using photographs which you've taken and using those photographs to suggest that it's their work rather than yours, then we would need to see how much of an impact that will have on, on the client's business. Take steps to encourage the infringer to remove the photographs in that example and that can either be by way of a phone call letter or an email effectively telling them to cease and desist from uh, using those images any further and to pay damages if appropriate to the uh, client who's who's may have had customers believe that the infringer is them and they've had a bad service from the infringer and that's negatively impacted the reputation of the client's business. Yeah. Once we've gone past that stage, if, uh, and I'd say seven out of ten times, the infringer has, has done so out of error or, or over-exuberance, taking um, images off Google searches and thinking that they're free to use. Right. Um, so once they've been told that what they've done is wrong, 
most people do accept that, that and, and go ahead and remove it. And in most cases, if that happens rapidly, our clients are quite comfortable that they've dealt with the issue, i.e. that there's a, an infringing photograph which where there shouldn't be. That's where it ends. Um, there's no need to take any further action. And we, you, if the damages aren't that great, we probably would let those go as well. Sure. It's all about what's commercially relevant and uh, appropriate at the time. However, you do get some individuals who will be up for a fight and hmm. be prepared to, to argue that they're entitled to, to use that particular brand name or, or that particular image. And in those circumstances, uh, we can take her court action to prevent them from continuing to use the infringing um, intellectual property. That's by way of an injunction, either an interim one where you apply to the court and they grant an injunction very rapidly, uh, pending the outcome of, of the arguments uh, dealing through the court process. Or with most sort of copyright cases, it tends to be at the end of a, of a court case. That's, yeah, that's really interesting because we have situations where maybe somebody would like to take an image away have it removed if google can't remove it a lot of people do talk about legal action so that's that's the sort of situation where you'd be able to write the letters take control you don't really need to go to court in many cases just the the reaching out and the discussion the explanation is generally enough yeah we, we certainly found that when somebody receives a letter from a law firm they tend to take it seriously it shocks them and that's enough to get them to do what we, we've asked them to do yeah. um, so most of matters are resolved relatively amicably yes. it's only the, the, the small minority of people that don't take a no for an answer as it were and we've got to take further action and that's available either through the county courts and there's an actually a specialist intellectual property enterprise court the IPEC uh, which we can take action through Okay. So how would you say, obviously you've been doing this for a while and you've seen the changes with the internet and the advent of social media. Have you noticed any changes in the last, you know, say 10 years? Has there been an increase in volume of people looking for these services? Um, and also, has there been any sort of new types of copyright infringements that you need to deal with? Certainly, um, I'm busier than I've ever been. Yeah. Um, which is sometimes a good thing, sometimes yeah. a bad thing. But certainly there is uh, more awareness, I think, of people knowing that they have intellectual property rights to protect, um, a greater willingness to take steps to protect them, and unfortunately a greater propensity of individuals who are willing to take shortcuts right. rather than expending their own intellectual effort by copying off those people who've gone before them. So yeah, there's definitely been an increase. Yeah. Um, in terms of anything new, uh, unfortunately, no. People are quite have always been quite keen to find a shortcut if they can. I think more access to the internet and a greater ability to use the internet to find what they're looking for has led to an increase in infringements of certainly copyright. I mean, trademark infringements have been around for ages. People have been trying to ride on the coattails of successful businesses by imitating them. Yeah. Uh, but in these circumstances, imitation is not a flattery. Yes, yes, definitely. So maybe somebody would take an image, maybe somebody would take... Do you have people just ever... Um taking a website or an idea and just completely copying it do you get that sort of almost wholesale theft in a sense indeed i mean we've we've had quite a few cases one of which i'm dealing with at the moment where both companies are providing a similar service they have the infringer has 
replicated our client's name, albeit adding uh, to the end of it NI because they're based in Northern Ireland. Um, They then copied and pasted pages from our website rather than writing their own. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's such a flagrant uh, infringement is is something that won't be tolerated by either the client or the courts. So we are seeing that more frequently. I don't know whether it's out of laziness, whether it's the people who are designing the websites are looking to to make money quickly, so they don't want to put the effort in either. Oh, um, okay, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we find that you know, when we take issue with the company whose website it is, they turn around and say, "Well, we didn't put that on our website. We employed a, a web designer to do that for us. They said that they did everything right." That doesn't really make much of a difference to our clients because it's that infringing company that's benefiting from the infringement. So they're the ones who have to stop using it and they're the ones who will pay us damages if, if we take it that far. If they've got an issue with their web designer, that's up to them to take it up with the web designer. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, so do you deal with anything around, this is generally somebody's stolen someone's idea, their unique selling point. Do you deal with anything around defamation of character and anything around business disputes? Yes. So the area I specialise in is is intellectual property and reputation management. So under the reputation management side of my practice, I deal with defamation of of individuals and businesses. That also encompasses uh, what's called malicious falsehood. It's where somebody who, who knows what they're saying is not true, but says it anyway, in the hope that it will either cause damage to their competitor or give them some gain by making an unfavorable comparison with their competitor, right. encouraging that customer to come over to them rather than the competitor. So I've, I've got a letter going out today where that's happened. Um, comparisons have been made based on inaccurate information um, and the way in which it's been done is, is designed to dissuade consumers using our clients and instead using the third party yes they've also used um search engine optimization to manipulate how they appear on search engine results so they've used our client's name in in an article which purports to be a genuine comparison of of how the two businesses operate but but in doing so they've used inaccurate information knowingly and have mentioned our client's name no less than 23 times wow. uh, in this one piece of article. And the way search engines work is they, they identify how many times that particular search term has been used, identify if it is relevant, and then return that website as a potential answer to the consumer search inquiry. And in this particular case, um, our client's website comes up rank one, and the competitors comes rank two. Yeah. So there's there's a significant danger and risk of the um, the consumers searching for our client services, seeing competitors at rank two and going to them instead of us, which has caused a significant impact in our revenue. Yes, definitely. So when you when you have a situation like this, is it hard or is there any um, is there a certain way to quantify the damage that is being caused and then relaying it to the offender? It depends on the uh, intellectual property right that's being infringed. Oh, okay. Sometimes with copyright, for example, uh, images aren't readily licensed. So if I start from explaining that when you have an intellectual property 
right it's it's an asset that and you can use it yourself or you can license it to other individuals yeah. uh, and create a revenue stream from that licensing arrangement or indeed you could sell it to somebody wholesale when an infringement occurs the loss the claimant sustains is compared to what they could have arranged if, if the infringer had come to them and said can we use for example this image okay we, we, if obviously it wasn't a competitor and it was appropriate commercially to do so, then we might have said to them, okay, you can use that, but you've got to pay us X pounds a year in order to have that image appear on your website or X pounds a year for you to use our, our trademark on your website. So when it comes to an infringement, that's where somebody's done something without the consent of the rights owner. And then the court say, well, okay, what would you have received if... genuine approach had been made and they'd asked you permission to do so so you look at a license arrangement for that circumstance so the damage would be whatever the the going rate for that type of right would be in the circumstances i understand so you mentioned that a lot of the time you can avoid going to court but i I assume that there's probably legal precedents that you rely on sometimes any sort of litigation whether it be directed disputes or a debt claim or intellectual property infringement parties are encouraged to try and resolve matters before they go to court and there's a document called pre-action protocol and conduct which is prepared by the court system that sets out the sort of rough map that you require to use before you issue court proceedings the first stage of that is to send a letter of claim to the infringer so uh, in most circumstances what we do is we set out what rights are owned by the client yeah why is it what we say that the third party is doing that's wrong and that infringes those rights and then we say this is the remedy that we're looking for whether that be taking the the post down removing the image stop using the trademark etc as part of that letter we would highlight to the infringer that there are going to be consequences if they don't capitulate and that can be damages accounts for profits as i was talking about earlier right now what we sometimes do is say well this type of issue has already been before a court. On, on, it might be that the client themselves has had his history of having to take infringers to court and been successful, in which case we'd make reference to the fact that in the past where similar circumstances have arisen, we've successfully enforced our clients' rights through the courts and, and given indication what those outcomes have been. Alternatively, there might be a case that's very similar that's been dealt with by the courts. And that can be used to, to demonstrate to the infringer that you know, the damages that they pay might not just be a small amount of money. Where there's been what's referred to as flagrant infringement of copyright, where yeah. somebody knew and was could have been in no doubt what they were doing was wrong, the courts are able to award additional damages. It had until recently been quite expected that that would normally be double the amount that they awarded for normal damages. Um, but a case involving the Loft Company about 2015-16, um, the courts awarded a 400% uplift on the damages because the infringement had been so flagrant. Okay. So that comes in quite handy when you're writing or speaking to an infringer and saying, that, you know, it's not going to be a small amount of money we'll be able to recover. It could be quite a large one as a result of this case. Do you really want to go down that way? What we're looking for is uh, you to take the image down, if, if that's the case. If you do that quickly, then providing you, you contribute a little bit to our clients' costs, we might well leave it there. Yeah. So what we want to try and do is 
encourage the infringer that to see that if they fight us, they're going to end up spending a lot of money, and it's going to be incredibly inconvenient. In addition, it could end up re- damaging their reputation. So there is occasions where it's a David and Goliath situation where you've got a multinational corporation that's used something that, that a small sort of garden shed inventor has, has created. Yes. And there's always a, a concern then when they've got ultimate resources and a stream of lawyers behind them that it's not really worth taking on board. But, you know, we're, we're more than happy to take on that challenge and you know, the law will always see that there's justice shall be done. So, you know, providing the client's got the stomach for the, the case, then we're happy to take it forward. Yeah, that's a really important point, actually, because I think just in many legal cases in general, people don't know their rights and they they do just assume it's going to be a massive fight and I can't fight it. So just literally understanding that there are things that have you know have come before that paved the way is very useful. Certainly when we have clients, you know, they'll come on board and maybe they have a negative news article, for example, that we generally don't go to the source to remove. We either try and de-index it via Google or just completely suppress it. So in those situations, Speaking to someone like an expert like yourself is is really valuable to them just to under, understand the playing field, really. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the court should be seen as the forum of last resort. Right. Um, if we can find a way of, of resolving the situation, then that's going to be much better. And what I've found across my career is that there's, there's always opportunities that you can create out of um, something that's negative to begin with. So we find that there might be two companies that have similar services but one's better at doing a certain aspect than the other and, and vice versa and whilst they might be using similar trading names um, they want to try to avoid confusion so we encourage um, them to agree uh, with the other side to enter to what's called a coexistence agreement oh, and that, right. that sort of arranges for both parties to carry on doing what they're doing um, and you know, if there's something that actually is more suited to the third party, we'll agree to transfer it or, or introduce any customers that come our way for that service to that third party. And, and in some circumstances, uh, it doesn't happen very often, but you know, in some circumstances, it might be that a, a joint venture between two opposing parties is, is the answer that ends up being more profitable for both parties than it does going into litigation. Yes. So we always keep an open mind as to what solutions are available. But as I said, the legal route is, is normally kept to last. I mean, as you mentioned, there's there's other ways to get things taken down, whether that be contacting the administrator of the social media website or um, counteracting negative reviews with positive reviews. But you know, we, we'll explore all those options with, with companies like yourself to assist the clients and, and get the result that the client needs. Yeah. Um, this is a quite generalised question. I'm trying to ask it to everybody who I speak to. What does reputation mean to you in in light of everything? You know, with, with all your experience, how important is reputation? I think you're judged on what you've done last or what has been said last about you. So if, if nobody knows you and um, given the events of the internet, the, the likelihood is you'll be Googled at some stage. And if the things there are positive, there is a great propensity of that individual proceeding to work with you going forward. Yeah. So if you've got a positive reputation, then more people want to work with you. If you've got a negative one, then you're not going to have many people calling you up to offer you work. So I think reputation is probably one of the most important assets of any individual or business. Yeah. Because 
that is the way that they attract their consumers. Mm. So yeah. it's 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 right that that is managed effectively and protected accordingly. Yes, I definitely agree. I think it's something which has, um, even though we've had the internet for you know properly for around 15, 20 years, it's still very new to many people, and the power has yet to be fully understood. I think even even branding companies like ourselves are are realizing the opportunity is just endless. You know, there's always a new app coming out. There's very Clubhouse is a very popular one where a lot of people are just getting online and talking to each other in the live conversation. And then there's the advent of voice search, which will is only going to become more and more popular in our lives at the moment obviously we're saying hey alexa please play the, you know these songs but in the future i think that's how we'll be searching for a lot more things um yeah so with that in mind my final question is where do you see this going do you see there any changes do you see just a, a bigger influx are there any threats or opportunities in this space i think fundamentally it won't change people will still do what they do find shortcuts and that will end up either causing issues for people who already own intellectual property rights because they've been copied, or they'll end up passing off their businesses as more successful ones. Yeah. So I don't think that element's going to change. I think, as you're, you say, that the internet and the search functionality is going to create new areas where infringements can take place. The, the ability to find images on the internet has actually been a great assistance for what I do. So um, I, I work for quite a lot of photographers and they have stumbled across an image that they took two, three years ago right. on somebody else's website. Yes. Whereas you know, had they not stumbled across it, they would never have known that their photograph had been infringed. Whereas now you can use Google Images to search for the image. Okay. Um, yeah. So you know, we work with photographers who were able to sort of systematically upload their pictures onto the internet to see where they appear, check that they're appearing in the right places, i.e. those that they've given consent to or a license to use. Um, and where it, it ends up on a site that they haven't authorised to use, then we're instructed to issue a cease and desist letter. So yeah. I think you know, that, that technology will you know, become very handy. And I think as, as the capability of, of that technology improves, then we could use it to take photographs of product and, and use that to, to search to see how many people are reproducing that particular yes. product and the way it's shaped. So that will help with design right infringements. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's already a sort of search functionality in place for the likes of trademarks and patents. So there's a watch service that we offer where once you've registered your trademark, we can keep an eye out for other businesses that are registering similar marks where the, the names are slightly different or you know, the images are too close for comfort as it were and right, yeah, okay. when those things crop up we can get in quick and, and stop it before it becomes too much of an issue yeah actively protecting them and monitoring yeah yeah i mean we advise clients that to use the you know the technology that's already there to keep an eye on their their brand so i'm sure you probably told this to your clients as well so that you can you can set up a google alert for a specific phrase so that you get a collated digest of all the times that Google's found a mention of your name and if that's come out as a, as a negative review for example you find out about it quickly and can take some steps to either address the issue whether it be a, a customer who's not been happy with the service or somebody who's you know, doing 
something maliciously to damage your reputation and get it removed before too many of your customers see it. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a fantastic tool, and there's many tools similar to that. And um, yeah. yeah, as you said, it's definitely definitely something we'd recommend. Just thinking what you were saying there about photographers, I mean, I think photographers, pos- uh, music artists must have really suffered over the last 10, 15 years since, you know, with MP3s being so easy to copy and things like that. There must just be a, a massive wide world of issues around intellectual property and all of these situations you deal with. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's no shortage, no shortage of, of people contacting you. Um, That's true. Great. So thank you very much for coming on today. It's been really enlightening to me and I'm sure very useful for our listeners. What's the best way of people contacting you if they had a legal question or they wanted to you know, get some advice? Dropping me an email, that's the easiest way. I tend to answer it any time of the day. So if you, you email me at s-m-u-r-r-a-y at hcrlaw.com, I'll come back to you as soon as I can. Brilliant. I'll put all the links in the description. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. All the best. Pleasure, uh, yeah, oh. speak to you soon. Thanks, Stephen. Oh, no problem at all. You take care. Take care. Bye now.